Welcome to the Modern CPA Success Show, where we're 100% focused on helping accounting firms achieve success. If you're an accounting firm owner who wants to learn how to grow your firm by providing virtual CFO services, then this podcast is for you. Welcome back to today's podcast. So we are doing a sequel podcast. And as with most sequels, no one wants to show up to the theater and be in the movie and be asking a ton of questions because they missed the first one. So we are going to start with a recap. And we are joined once again um, with by Josh Jeans. And um, jo- Josh is joined by his fellow HR guy here, Zach Montroy. So we have our two HR people and Jody once again. So um, in order to not um, make you have to go back and listen to the first one you haven't already let yet, um, Josh, you want to kind of give us a recap of what we talked about um, last time? Yeah, absolutely. So we really uh, zoned in on recruiting last time, talked about how that environment is changing as of late and particularly in COVID-19 in the last 18, 19 months, how that's changed things kind of talked about how a lot of people have more options than they've had before. A lot of people in the last year and a half have really taken a step back to reevaluate what do they want and uh, what sort of style of work do they want? Do they want to pivot industries and how, uh, frankly, that's causing a lot of a lot of folks to be non-committal in this process and we're still trying to sort through and figure out what do we do to engage with those people to make sure that they know what they want as they move forward and join them along with that so i'm going to kick it over to zach and see uh, if you wanted to add any more thoughts on recruiting before we kind of move towards uh, retaining people and rewarding them yeah that you 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 all did a great job with the the podcast um I feel like I need some popcorn since you talked about being at the, the movie with you know, the Um Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to control, right? You know, 2020, none of us had control over anything. Like we were just white knuckling it, trying to get through the year. And I think, you know, all of these companies went from, we can never do our work remotely to we have to do our work remotely. And so, you know, to stay viable, we had to send our workforce to working from home. So all of a sudden there's a ton of options, like the economy kind of got more secure and more stable um, and companies started hiring again. And I think for many people, like looking at the psychology of it, I've got some control over this thing, this aspect of my life. And I, I want a fresh, start. And so we have just seen a lot of people not leave jobs, but go to jobs. Like this just seems like a really good opportunity and a a great fresh start. And like, I can kind of maybe forget about the pandemic a little bit and move on. Um, In the interest, I think that the biggest, most interesting thing that I've seen is we have seen a, I mean, great resignation. Yeah, that's this year. We've seen so many people change jobs, and yet across the board, HR executives are saying we are seeing less job applicants than we have ever seen before in our careers. So we've got this whole ton, this whole group of people moving jobs, and people are not applying for jobs. So what does that mean? Like the entire way that we recruit has changed overnight. Like we're having to really go out and market ourselves as a good employer. And we have won a ton of awards on being a place to work, but like we've had to go tell that story and, and really do way more outreach than we have ever had to do in the past. And I'm hearing that across the board. 
Um, and so I would say like, as I mean, if you're listening to this podcast and you go after any of our employees, we will hunt you down. <laughs> I mean, we really will though. Um, but we're seeing we know who you I mean, are. Great, yeah, great companies are having to go out and tell their story to people and say like, hey, you know, is this the kind of work that you would be motivated and, you know, energized to do? Would you like, does, does joining our team sound like something you like? Because we're seeing not a ton of people looking but a lot of people moving. And so that sort of outreach has become more and more important these days. I guess my, my, my question is on, on now that uh, we've kind of talked a lot about the recruiting side, um, rewards are kind of the, the big, the big topic, you know, how, how do you reward your people? You know, what, what are the different types of rewards that you can give to people to keep them you know, on the team? Because rewards and retention kind of go one-on-one uh, -one for a lot, a lot of, a lot of ways. And, Again, not everybody's motivated by money. Actually, there's a lot of studies saying hardly anybody's motivated by money, which um, for a lot of uh, us owners, you know, that kind of astounds us a little bit. You know, you kind of think back and say, why, why wouldn't you be, why would you work? You know, that type of thing. So if you could kind of, either one of you, Josh or, or Zach, if you kind of hit on the ideas on why, why do people stay at their jobs? You know, what's their number, what's the number one reason they stay at their jobs? And, and if, if there's any, quirk in that that's causing them to leave how can we reward them or keep them on the team yeah josh do you want to take a stab at that first yeah for sure well i think uh, <laughs> i think exactly. jody what you said what you said is true that uh i think kind of an old adage of if you just pay somebody more they'll stay and they'll stay forever if you keep incrementally paying them more and more is not true and you know we have to face the reality that people work for money. People don't show up to work because it feels like a family and because they love what they're doing. We hope those things follow and that the culture pieces follow and um, all the non-compensation reasons that somebody would stay come in line. But I think I, we have to kind of hit the nail on the head and, and acknowledge that compensation is really critical. And you know, for us here at Summit, we wanna make sure that we are at or above the industry norm in the way that we compensate people. Uh, and I think that does go beyond just what we're paying them. You know, I, I, there's been a couple, uh, I, I don't know how you would articulate this, maybe LinkedIn influencers uh, who've been sharing this poll. Like, it basically says, you know, would you rather make a salary of $120,000 or would you rather make a salary of $90,000 and list like 10 crazy benefits, like free childcare, 401k matching, free health insurance, dental, life. Uh, you know, $50 a month to your favorite charity, your Spotify, all these things. And people just overwhelmingly choose that option B, that smaller salary, but it's got all these other benefits. And I think that's because those, those extra benefits are a nod to the culture of the company you're coming to, and that we want to see you not just as an employee employee, you know, a warm body who sits in a seat who does the job and we give you this many dollars, but we also want to be thinking about what's your family situation? What sort of nonprofits are you passionate about? Do you care about uh, what sort of playlist do you keep on Spotify? You know, like there's, there's lots of other parts of life that we want to engage with besides somebody's income. So I think we do have to face that, but you're right that that's not the whole story anymore, how it may have been in the past. Yeah. yeah one thing, I, I how big mean, do you think that story is though? Say it again. How, how big is that story, though? So, how, how how important is the 
a wage? Would they have done it for eighty thousand in your scenario? I mean, or with seventy thousand, or do they? You know, how do you find that that hot what? number? I guess the number that uh, is going to keep somebody. That's a great question. I think it really is going to depend on the individual. It's part of why we're seeing uh, people slowly. We, we have a lot of people making moves, but like Zach said, we have very few people applying. So if you think about how does that math work out, it means that people used to have to apply to 25 jobs before they got an offer. Now they're applying to maybe five or 10 and they're sending out less applications. But really, I think what we see is nobody wants to make a backwards move when it comes to their income. There would have to be some other like really large circumstances involved. And maybe for some people that is at a place like Summit, the opportunity to work remote. Somebody might be willing to take a, a lesser salary because they just got two and a half hours a day back in their life from their commute and all the expenses that are associated with that. So from what I'm seeing, I think that is pretty highly individualized. Uh, and I hear that a lot kind of in, you know, as I'm screening people and talking through what are your expectations, really people don't want to move backwards. I think people are even open to a lateral move as long as they see a path forward to continue to grow, but nobody yeah. wants to go backwards. Are you interested in offering virtual CFO services at your firm or scaling your existing service offerings? The Virtual CFO Playbook how to Land $60,000 a Year Clients and Provide a Killer Client Experience is an online series of modules that will equip you with essential tools for creating and delivering scalable VCFO services. These approaches have helped Summit CPA grow from $500,000 to upwards of $5 million in revenue over the past decade. If you're ready to grow your firm, visit summitcpa.net slash VCFO Playbook to enroll now. Yeah, I was going to ask there real quick is, um, so one thing I heard, and I'm not sure if Jody remembers this, we were at a conference and there was an HR person and he mentioned that one of the ways to create creatively pay people is, um, is to actually personalize it. So the example he used is, you know, if there's, let's say employee A um, loves a certain band and that band has a huge concert every year in Chicago, like to pay for that person to go to the concert, pay for the hotel, put them up for a couple nights and pay for their spouse. That might cost $4,000 that an employee would value that a lot more than a $10,000 bonus. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on, on that theory? And if, if you think that, I think that's true. Zach, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I think there can be some good in that. Um, obviously, I'm not a tax guy. So like, you got to be careful of like the legal ramifications from gifting and all of that. But the one thing you have to watch out for there is um, equity mm -hmm. and um, making sure that you are not. And, and the reason I say that is I've seen some some owners of businesses like this person's my favorite person on the team. And so I go do this for that person. And then there's like all these other people that you haven't done anything for. And so there's that, like, you're going to create a different problem there. Um, but I also think like personalized gifts can be very, very important. And I would say like, that is something Summit does extraordinarily well. Mm -hmm. Like on your anniversary, you're getting chocolate and like, I mean, honestly, like my kids see something from Summit CPA come in the mail and like, I won't lie on my birthday. I was like, no one check the mail. No one is allowed to check the mail because I knew there were going to be some yummy candies that I didn't want to share. Um, so I think like that can be a good thing. 
don't make sure that you do it well would be my like the HR caveat that I would give to that. Um, but I think like in the personalizing pay category there as well, you know, everyone is working from, not everyone, most companies have a remote or flexible option now. So that is not nearly as much of a benefit um, that we're able to tout there. But I'll tell you one thing that is, our education stipend and our remote work stipend. So we have all these companies out there right now who are asking people to work from home and there's expenses that you incur as part of that. And we've been, I mean, Jody, Adam, we've been doing this for years where we give you money and say, hey, if you wanna pay your, your cell phone bill or your internet bill or buy a new desk, like this money is for you to build that office, like knowing that you're gonna have some expenses there. And if you wanna go on a trip for an education conference, awesome, like we're giving you flexibility. I think that is one of the biggest benefits you can give people right now is like flexibility and options. Um, and I think that that's been a huge advantage um, for us. Can you, can I just you elaborate more on the, on the two stipends? Yeah. So, um... One of the things we do for for all of our employees, um, to, to Zach's point, there is we have we do have two stipends that um, get put onto a PEX card. So it's it's a card that you have in your your wallet, and you can you can use it when you have um, either education costs or um, or uh, technology needs. And again, we're pretty um, we're not we don't sit there and tell people what they need, which I think is the best part about it, right? So I think it goes back to the personalization. Like some people, you know, really want to have a standing desk and they always wanted it at their previous office and it was, they had to jump through all these holes to get it and all these loops to get it. Like, oh man, it took yeah. me six months to get that standing desk where if you're at Summit and you're at Costco and you see a standing desk for 200 bucks, you just pull out the right card and you buy the standing desk and walk home with it, you know? And so I think that's what is great about it is it is personalized. And I think if you went to each single person at Summit and asked what they used their card for, everybody would have a different answer but they'd all be extremely satisfied with what they're using it for. Yeah. So it I, kind of you prevents know, them from Judy, having to wait in line or ask about the chair, right? Right. Yeah, or like bureaucracy there too, right? Oh, yeah. 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 And, and the nice thing about it is kind of the, the kind of the side effect is, is that it relieves a lot of administrative uh, issues. So, you know, we, we try to run the company on less administrative, uh, a small administrative team. And that's just one less thing that an administrative person has to worry about ordering desks, you know, handling, you know, disputes between people, why someone's got this color chair versus that color chair, you know, whatever, whatever it might be, um, it, it eliminates a lot of that, which is, which is pretty cool. Jamie, do you know how much our tech stipend is? And, and I, we, we broadly call it a tech stipend because as Jamie mentioned, it can be used for technology or really anything office wise. It can be used for a chair. It can be used for a desk. Like Jamie mentioned, it can be used for really whatever. We I don't believe monitor it's, that. I believe it's three thousand a year, isn't it? Isn't that the education? So I always get education and tech confused. But I think they're both um, similar in that amount for three thousand a year. Yeah, and then with the education stipend, Jamie, how does that work? Yeah, same thing. So I think that, you know, I have a, a card that I use. And the great thing about that, again, is, is the flexibility of it. So a lot of people, you know, will get together and they'll go to a conference together and, you know, they'll, it, they'll say, okay, this is a topic we want to, we want to learn about, we really want to learn about um, ESOPs. And there's an ESOP conference in Tampa, let's go together down to Tampa and, and three or four of us go and hang out and use that card for the, um, for the conference. And, 
and really enjoy the um, the luxuries you'd have to get a lot more approvals for at another um, firm, especially in the CPA world. And so I think that's part of it. But also, you know, I, I use it for my Audible membership. You know, so I have an Audible account that I use my um, education for. So that way, I don't have to think about it. every time I buy a book. I'm like, okay, I just add it to my Audible account, and that goes to my tech stipend. So a lot of people use it for different things. And again, I know I've always been a library guy. It's always just been easier to go to the library and wait for books. But sometimes you have to kind of wait those wait for four months or five months for the newer ones to come on if i need to buy a book i just put it on my pex card and then it's in the mail at amazon two days later so i think that's the um that's the nice thing about the tech one or the education one sorry yeah no i completely completely agree and it kind of forces people to actually be grown-ups right hey if, if you want to go somewhere great just save your money up for it and you can go there because we don't just plop it all on one day and then they they use it we give them a monthly monthly stipend right so it's a monthly thing it hits their pex card adds value to the pex card and uh, they can zap it all down one day, but again, again, if that one opportunity does come up, uh, they're not going to be able to go unless they pay for it out of pocket. So, I mean, that's uh, that's the nice thing about it, right? It gives them the ability to make choices, uh, which um, you know, which is vi- which I think is a, a huge perk for sure. So, yeah. something that I think Jamie and Jody, you guys are both kind of circling around here with the the flexibility of that. And I like what you said, Jody, people have to be a grown up. is uh, those sort of benefits. And this kind of bleeds into retention for people. Uh, It gives people autonomy and people love autonomy, especially in a remote distributed environment. It's a way that we can communicate trust to somebody to say, we trust you to be a, an adult, B, you know, a responsible employee and C, to pursue the things that are good for you to make you or to allow you and empower you to make a better contribution here and a fuller contribution to your team. And I think people really experience that as, oh, my, my employer, maybe my direct manager or my company culture at large is really expressing trust in me to do what I need to do. And I'm not being micromanaged in that. Uh, like you said, there's no bureaucracy of I've been in my red chair for two years and I really want the blue chair because the blue chairs are the newer models. You know, people have the choice like and you can decide to buy that chair right now or you may need to wait a couple months and you can get an even nicer one as you've waited for more money to come in. But I do think one of the pieces of retaining people is giving them autonomy. And there's various ways that we can do that between giving them flexible hours and saying like, hey, get your work done. We're not going to make sure that you're logged in from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day. We're going to make sure that you get your tasks done and that they're done well. Uh, Or spend your money on what you want to. You and your team and your manager are going to know what sort of education that you need and what sort of training you need to sharpen in your craft. So go do that. You don't have a prescribed, here's all the things that you have to do in year one at Summit and year two at Summit. But we give that trust to people. I think that, you know, as a firm that's all over the U.S., the one thing that really I've appreciated is the way we handle those working hours, right? And I think what we've always communicated to employees, and again, I'm in the the, uh, mountain time zone, so I'm a couple hours behind everybody on this call, but like one of the things that I communicate, and I know that the people in similar time zones to me communicate is these are the hours I plan on working, right? For me, it's, it's nine to five on a, um, on a, uh, a weekday, right? I'm like, Hey, these are the hours, you know, I'll be around, but if you need to get me at 7am, just give me some heads up, right? Like the worst thing that happens to me is like, I'll, I'll go into my office the night before and just kind of wrap up some emails and stuff. And it's nine o'clock at night. And I found out, Oh, Jody just added a 7 a.m. meeting for me tomorrow morning. That, that's the hard part is like, it's just the night before and I find it, you know? So I think that's the, that's the kind of stuff that we, we really pride ourselves on is that, okay, you know, 
I understand that Jamie's schedules this, but if I give him a couple of days head, heads up, he's going to come in for that seven o'clock meeting if he needs to. And so I think that's the way we've always communicated is, is make sure that people you work with know when <clears> you're <throat> around, know the hours you're going to be working and that they're going to work. But if a client or someone internally needs you outside those hours, you got to be flexible. And I think that people appreciate that um, when it comes to those working hours, especially as you're all over the U.S. Yeah. yeah, and I think that goes back to like managing schedules is probably. Sorry, go ahead, Jody. Yeah, it, what, what I think managing schedules is kind of a, a huge perk or a huge, huge thing that people have. I mean, because like, for instance, with my schedule, I always block off. My schedule is completely blocked off of all my workout times through the whole year. So I've got every workout time through the whole year there. But like, as Jamie mentioned, you know, it's not rigid, you know, in the event that, you know, he needs to meet with me and that's really the only time you're available, then, then he knows that he can schedule time over that and just not the day before, but, yeah. you, know, you know, maybe next week yeah. or the, you know, a couple of days out that way I've got a, a chance to actually redo my personal schedule too. You know, obviously there's certain things we can't change, like taking the kids to school and stuff like that. Um, and, and people mark that on their calendar that way, you know, Hey, running the kids to school. And so, you think I'm going to, as, as the owner of a company, going to trump Jamie and say, hey, Jamie, you can't take your kids to school because I'm, I'm more important than that. You know, that's not, that doesn't happen. You know, that, that's not going to happen. That's that kind of that free, the freedom that uh, the schedule gives. But in the same respect, you know, that freedom's great. The scheduling's awesome, but it, it still means your work, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I mean, it, I think that all goes back to you and you think, I mean, from a rewards and retention standpoint, I mean, go back to like psychology 101, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. The most basic needs that we have as employees are to understand what's expected of us and do we have the tools to do our jobs well. Um, so fundamentally, if we want to get to people really functioning well, we've got to make sure that those needs are met. And you know, just going back to what you said, Jamie, like, yeah, we're, we're a service-based business. So, you know, a client on the West Coast means I might have to have late meetings on Thursday afternoons, but it means that I'm coming in late on a Thursday or I'm flexing time on a Friday. That, like, that's an expectation. We, you are in control of your calendar. At the end of the day, we are about serving our clients. Um, but if you're, if you're three or four time zones off from a client, like we do not expect you to be working a 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. day. Like we do not want that. That's not an expectation. What is an expectation is that you're working a 40-hour week and you're getting your deliverables done. Um, so we're both providing that flexibility, but also the, the, that fundamental basic need of understanding what's expected of me and my job and, and how that's lived out in, in the role. I think that's super, super important because, again, somebody working in this kind of flexible environment, and again, a perk to it is that flexibility, but it can also be to the detriment of that person. If they're not a type of person that can say no, they may end up working a ton more time. You know, they, they may end up working, you know, 40 hours and then plus another 20 hours on top of that because mm -hmm. they're weeding in all this extra time. So I think that flexibility has got to come with the idea that, hey, I've got to control my schedule. I've got to be able to say no, or I've got to be able to work out things so that I don't work a long, long count, a long schedule. Because again, it can be easily misinterpreted or easily happen if that person's not uh, not careful with it. Um, which kind of gets to the other thing about having the ability to delegate tasks 
to other folks, you know, to other folks on the team, uh, have the ability to say no to somebody, have the ability to say, hey, I can do it here, but not here's my schedule. I can do it at this time, you know, kind of get permission to. So there's got to be that that conversation, that ability to delegate, that ability to work up, work around a calendar, I think are the really a lot of key areas that in order to be in order for it to be a benefit, that person really has to take advantage of it. So Jody, you tweeted out an article today on why time tracking is so important. And I think like going back to the recognition part, we have this ability to recognize when someone put in a 60 or 70 or 80 hour work week, Jamie, you get those reports. What happens for you? How do you recognize, you know, there's a red flag here. What do you do? Because I think that that's a key part of recognition from an employer perspective. Yeah, before no, you answer that, before you answer that, Jamie, we, we, Jamie, you and I both worked in public accounting, big, bigger firms. Yeah, <laughs> it was a badge of honor to get sixty to seventy hours a week. Sure. Everybody treated that as, hey, let's see who can get the most hours in and let's brag about it. Yeah, and uh, that wasn't me. <laughs> Just like <to let laughs> you know, <laughs> but with that perspective and kind of adding to Zach's question. Um, you know, how, how does that differ? Yeah, no, I think that's that's a great point, Joey. That's exactly the road I was going to go down. Is like, yeah, it's we, we we look at it the opposite of a lot of CPA firms. You know, a lot of CPA firms, especially during busy season, have those hours expectations, and you'll, you know, people will be in the lunchroom talking about, yeah, I put in a ninety last week, and and and, and like flexing, you know, like, yeah, it's been a 90 hour week. Look how awesome I am. But it's kind of the opposite here. Is and I, I keep an eye on those hours reports, and you know. If, if a person puts in a 150 hour week, I'm not going to, you know, think twice about it. But if I start seeing them strung together, even if I see like a 50, a 40 and a 55 and a 60, I kind of see them grouping together like that, then I'm, I'm definitely going to jump in. And I think the, the first thing to me is communication. You know, I think that um, talking to them um, is, is going in is the most important thing. And I, I try not to go in empty handed. I try to go in with some information. You know, I want to, if I'm going to talk to, you know, it's pretend like Josh, a senior accountant who just put in three 50 hour weeks in a row. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to see, okay, which clients do he put the work into? How many clients does he have? What's his book of business? Um, what are the, what are the things he's working on? And that's the things, the questions I'm going to ask is um, to Jody's point earlier is if Josh is working 55 hour weeks, but he's doing a bunch of stuff that he should have delegated, then that's, that's where I want that conversation to go is to be like, okay, why are you spending time doing bank recs? You have someone for you that can do those bank recs. And then, you know, most people are going to come back with, well, these are more complicated bank recs. And so I'm going to have to go into that question is, okay, what makes them more complicated and why can't we we get them delegated and so i think that's the key to me is one come in prepared you know understand what is causing them to work more hours but then two is just listen you know i think that's really the key to management when it comes to this is listen to what they're telling you is causing them the hours and then react to that so again it's kind of twofold there I've had a definitely had a lot of those those conversations because I, we want we don't want people getting burnt out. You know, I think that's um, you know part of the retention is we want people to um, not get burnt out, but we also want them to handle a, um, a, an appropriate book too. So the first thing I'm not going to go in there is be like, oh, Josh, you just worked three fifty five hour weeks. Can I take away two clients from you? You know, I don't go in and yeah. with that as the answer right away. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, and I mean, I think like going back to that pyramid of needs from an employee, like how do you keep great employees? basic needs, and then from an individual perspective, um, are we giving good and clear, candid feedback? Are we encouraging people's development? Are we re recognizing the good work that they do in an individual way so that we're connecting their work to the mission of the organization, 
um, into the clients that we work on? Do they feel like they're a part of a team? Are they connected with people on the team? Do they know that their job is important and critical? Do their opinions count? And then from a growth perspective, is someone talking to them about their progress? Do they have, you know, growth comes at the edge. Are there opportunities for them to, to work and learn and grow through that work? Those are the people who are most engaged. Those are the people who don't leave organizations for the, you know, shiny, you know, $500 <laughs> bonus. Like those are the people who are in it. Um, and so those are big alerts to us. Like when people are not connected, they don't have a friend at work. Um, Gallup found that that was a huge piece of retention. The employees who stay have a good friend in the workplace. And that has been challenging for us being remote because we weren't able to have a retreat last year. Like that's a huge connection piece for us. Um, to get to know and become friends with one another because you have to be so intentional about that, you know, uh, over Zoom. Um, you know, we, we, those, are, those are the things that we have to get creative and brainstorm and try and fail forward on. Um, but, you know, when you think about the most engaged employees, you've got to work from basic needs through their individual team needs and, and challenging their growth. Great, great. So we are actually almost at time here. So I'm going to give you guys a chance. Um, so I know this is hard and this is a, a big area of rewards and retention, but I'm going to give each of you number one thing you can do to keep your employees longer. So I'm going to start with you, Jody. Um, so what, what did you say with number one thing you could do to keep employees at your company longer? I, I think the biggest thing is just kind of show that you uh, you care, you know, you care more for more about them than maybe the bottom line, or maybe you care more about them than, you know, than something, you know, you, you, you have a vested interest in them. Um, one of the big things that we took an initiative for, been four or five, six years ago, I don't know how long Zach you've been here, but uh, we, we brought Zach on to, to address that, you know, so that, hey, they, they've got somebody on their side that they can consult to if, you know, Jamie's a jerk and, he, and they, we need to figure out how to figure out how to communicate better with Jamie or the client's a jerk. How can we communicate better with the client? I think that was huge. And, and I, I would like in your answers, Josh and, and Zach, if you could kind of tell, tell, tell a little bit about what you, what kind of what you do with the clients, you know, you know, or not with the clients, but with the, with the team members to make them feel that, Hey, you are a benefit. You are someone that you can, they can lean on, you know, when they need to. All right, Josh, since you're, you've been here a little less uh, time than, than Zach, I'm going to throw it over to you first. Yeah, you know, I think uh, I really agree with what you said, Jody. My, my thought was like uh, maybe as cheeky as it is, you, like, you have to walk the walk and talk the talk. And I think, uh, Jamie, what you were getting at earlier, you know, if, you, if a leader in the organization sees that somebody on their team is consistently overextending themselves, um, we've, we've got to come in. You can't only address somebody when they're working 30 hour weeks and never address them when they're working consistent 50 hour weeks. And I think True. the temptation is to think I'm getting a lot of work and productivity out of this person. So I'm going to kind of <laughs> just leave them to do their thing. Uh, but that, that starts to communicate over time that we think of people as resources to be used up and not people to be partnered with and developed and moved forward. Um, 
So I think it, it really is engaging with people, uh, both when they are not doing well. And, you know, that can be a variety of things. We had several people on our team here who are, who've been in the path of hurricanes in the last month. And part of engaging with them is, is me pulling them aside and saying like, how, how is your family? Like we, like, I know you have a lot of audits to do, or you have a lot of bank racks to work on, but like, are you okay? Do you guys have power? Is your, you know, and realizing, oh, we have people that have like, 15 family members who evacuated and are staying in their home and they're trying to work remote from home and just acknowledging like your, your productivity is probably going to drop this week as you're like working from home and also preparing meals for three other families that are staying with you. And, um, but I think a lot of it is, is seeing people when things are really hard and also seeing when they're, when they're excelling, uh, to know that maybe we need to put some bumpers on this to make sure that it doesn't get out of hand and you don't burn out and kind of quietly start to think about other options because you're being so used up in your position. And I think your point was was perfect because I think the other part of it too is it needs to be personalized as well. You know, there, there are certain people that take pride in delegating and moving their job. And like, if I see those people start creeping over 40 hours, I start to get concerned, right? Like, cause they've, they've worked really hard over the last like three years to get all their work delegated. And they've been putting in 40 hours a week consistently for six months. And now I see 42, 45, 48, obviously something's changed in their schedule. And I know that because I know that person. And there's some people that's just, that it's just in their nature. They're going to work 55, no matter what, they just love it. They love their job. They're willing to do that. They're willing to put in 55. And so like, you know, you, you have to just know your people a little better and know, know your people personally, because what works for one person isn't the same. So you have to make sure you keep an eye on each person individually. All right, Zach, last but not least. Man, thank you for giving me all this time to come up and I hope it's a good answer with all the time I've had, but no, I love Jody and, and Josh. Those were great, great answers. I would say, you have got to understand, like talking about personalization, understand everyone on your team's unique ability and best and highest contribution and put that to work. Create a place where they can make a meaningful contribution given their motivations and their unique abilities. Like if I am getting to use my unique ability and giftedness on a daily basis, I'm going to love the work that I do. I'm going to be energized by that. I'm going to end the day like wanting to do more. Not that we should, but again, healthy boundaries are good, but like that's the best and most meaningful workplace. Um, and so that's what we want to create. We want to create a place where people can make that contribution and we understand what their unique ability is to that contribution. And Jody, kind of going back to your question. Um, so I'm an Enneagram eight, a challenger. Um, and I think the, the best contribution that I provide is really changing our team with empathy and care to say the soft skill side, the human skill side of consulting, of leading really matter, how we connect with people really matters. And so I'm going to, you know, be in the arena with you, like to use that Theodore Roosevelt quote. I'm going to be in the arena with you to challenge you and to cheer you on and to pick you up when you make a mistake and fail and fail forward and, and help you back up and, and challenge you to get back in the arena again. Because the work we do is hard, but it's also really meaningful. And so I think having a person to process that with is important. And I think that investment has been um, really integral to a lot of our CFO's success um, but also like we connect it back into the work that we get to contribute at every day. 
I think that's that's a great way to, to end this podcast. You may have even opened a can of worms for another podcast about how to how to help people identify what what does um, make them tick. And I know we worked on that at our last retreat, so maybe that would be a good uh, a good podcast we could bring you on for in the future because I know that was something that I, I enjoyed learning and definitely learned a lot about myself when we did that. So um, appreciate all you guys. Thanks for coming on. And I think again, this was a great sequel. So no no letdowns here. So appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah, guys. Enjoy this podcast? Visit our website at summitcpa.net to get more tips and strategies for achieving modern CPA firm success. We're here to be a resource in this ever-changing industry.